I mean, if you don't have an EIN, how are you going to file a 1065? You cannot. So you need an EIN. It's still a single member LLC also needs an EIN just because of the proof form 1120 and 5472. You are listening to US Tax, a podcast for Australian accountants with US clients. Welcome to update 22 of US Tax about tax identity numbers in the US or tax identifiers. This is Heide Robson. No tax administration system works without tax identifiers. The ATO uses ACNs, TFNs and ABNs. The US, IIS, uses SSNs, ITINs and EINs. SSN stands for Social Security Numbers and they are used for tax purposes but also, and I'm sure you guessed that already, for Social Security purposes. So a Social Security Number in the US is like an individual TFN in Australia plus a Centrelink CIN in Australia. SSNs are not so relevant for us since most of us won't be able to apply for an SSN. You need certain visas and, you know, it's a lot more complicated to get an SSN. So today... We skip SSNs and instead focus on EINs and ITINs. ITIN stands for Individual Taxpayer Identification Number. And you, you can apply for an ITIN. Anybody who needs one can get one. You just have to send your passport by courier to an IIS agent in Australia, pay a fee, do a Zoom interview, and then you have an ITIN. EIN stands for Employer Identification Number, and this is a little bit misleading because it's like an ACN, like an Australian company number, except that it is for the US, meaning you need an employer identification number for certain reasons. For example, if you want to file a tax return, even if you don't employ anybody and are not an employer. And EINs are a nightmare to get if you don't have an SSN. You can only apply by fax, phone or mail. If you start with fax, fax has mixed results. First of all, you need a fax, a fax machine, and very few people have that nowadays. But you can use an online fax service. Officially, you get your EIN by return fax within four business days, but I haven't seen that happening. Make that 10 to 15, 20, 25 business days, and you might have more realistic expectations. Phone is a nightmare. Phone doesn't work. You call and call, and you never get through to somebody no matter when you call at 11 p.m at night which is when the phone lines open for the IIS or 6 a.m in the morning or later on I have never been able to get through sometimes I speak to somebody and then they just tell me that I'm in the wrong department and they put me straight back on hold with the waiting time of another 60 minutes so if you had better results with phone please let me know but I never succeeded And then the last option is mail, and that can take months. The official response time is four to five weeks, but I've never seen that happening. And months is a long time when you're desperate to open a US bank account and need an EIN for that. So at the moment, I don't have a perfect solution for you. I thought that getting an ITIN might help, but an IIS agent told me last night that ITINs no longer qualify for online EIN applications, that you need an SSN, so I will get back to you on this one. So today, let's talk with Alex Owari of ONG Accounting in Lakewood, Colorado, about EINs and ITINs, and also W9, W8BEN, and W8BEN-E. And at the end, Alex will also touch on branch profit tax, which we haven't discussed at all so far. A few speakers have mentioned branch profit tax, but we haven't really looked at it in detail yet. So here's Alex Owari of ONG Accounting in Colorado. 
Does a foreign-owned multi-member LLC issue a W-9 as a domestic person? I mean, W-9 is basically given to, somebody has to request W-9. Once that person gets the W-9, they use that information and they complete 1099. So the question you're asking is a little bit complicated. The LLC is a domestic person because it was established in the US. The single-member LLC is looked through, but the multi-member LLC is a domestic person. It's a partnership. It's a domestic partnership. It depends on which part of the coach you're looking at. A multiple-member LLC can give out W-9 and get a 1099, which may be okay, but this question is a very complicated one because I would be more confident to answer this one if you have a multiple-member LLC where there's one U.S. person and there's one foreign person, and then I would say based on the attribution of the U.S. person, part of this is U.S., you know, the multiple-member LLC is basically a U.S. entity, and then it can issue, you know, it can give out W-9, and then it can also get 1099. But then when you have a multiple-member LLC where both of the partners are foreigners, then we ask ourselves, is this multiple-member LLC really a U.S.? It's a pass-through. And so when you issue a 10 and 9 to that multiple-member LLC, now, how is it going to report it? Is it going to report it as ECI or is it going to report it as foreign source? But in other cases, too, I have seen this happening that even though someone gets a 1099, that does not determine, it's not a final determination of the taxes that person owes, right? Maybe they got a 1099 error and they can actually write a letter and say that, look, I wasn't supposed to be receiving this 1099 and I got it. Can you tell me what this 1099 is about? So 1099 basically reports payment processes uses 1099K and it reports all the payments you receive. Like if I pay, if I hire you as a US person, I'll first get W9 from you. And based on the W9, I'll send you a 1099 NEC so that you can use it to report your taxes. So a 1099 is basically like a W2, but then it is used by independent contractors. If you're working on your own, and then we issue you a 1099. Whereas a W2 is used by employees. employees. Okay, good. So is it 1099 or 1089? It's 1099. 89. Yeah. Oh, so it's uh, 1099. Okay, good. 1099. Okay, good. So 1099 is for contractors and the W2 is for employees. And so it basically just tells you your tax status, correct? The W2... So the W9 is what you use to certify your tax status. If you're a US person, you complete W9. If you're a foreign person, you complete W8. So a foreign person will complete W8 Ben, and then a foreign corporation will complete W8 Ben E, right? So when you give that to any US person, they will get to figure out that, okay, you're a foreign person and you're certifying as such. And that determine whether they're going to send you a 1099 or not. So here's the deal. A lot of my clients who are foreign persons, they perform services from outside of the U.S., those people that are performing services from outside of the U.S., they sit in their home country to do it. They should not be receiving 1099. If they certify correctly on the W-8 that they are foreign persons, then they should not be receiving 1099. But I've seen cases where people are being given 1099, even though the services or the work did not take place here. The second issue I'm seeing is that you have others that are taking payment from payment processes like Stripe, PayPal, those payment processes now don't even care where you come from. They send you 1099K. So 
when you get a 1099K, it doesn't mean you have to pay taxes. Maybe yes, maybe not. You need to talk to a tax preparer to figure that out. Because maybe those payment processes are following the regulations that whatever happens, give them the 1099K and they are maybe following that. But one vendor that I like so much is Amazon. Amazon, you go in there and you certify that you're a US person, you will not be getting a 1099K. So they understand how this thing works, but for some other payment processes, they are still struggling with it or maybe... They just lump everybody together. It's like, let's give everybody 10 and 9K and that's it. If you want a multi-member LLC to issue a W-9, you need to bring a US person in as a member and that US person can have a minimal share, might hold 0.1%. Let's not confine that. There are certain cases where you would see a multiple member LLC being referred as a domestic partnership or being referred as a US person and all of that. So in light of all of those interpretations, it becomes really difficult to say, should this LLC get 1099 or not? It's not a question that is really has a settled answer, right? Because even okay. if you get a 1099 for your multiple member LLC, the truth is the truth. Where did the work take place? Did the work take place in the US or outside? So we have to look at when a foreign person is being taxed, We need to look at all the facts and circumstances and not just based on the form they received. So, of course, the form can cause a problem for you, but then other factors also need to be considered. So, for example, if you get a 1099 and I tell you, well, yeah, you got 1099, you have to pay taxes on it. That may be a wrong advice. First of all, I need to ask you, what did you do to get the 1099 and where did the work take place? Right. So if your facts that you give me makes sense, And it's able to show that this income was really foreign source, but it was reported on 1099. Then we could actually file the tax return in a way to declare that it's a foreign source income and it's not US source, even though it's reported on 1099. So yes, the question about multiple member LLC, I hesitate to answer it in the positive, right? So whether they are receiving 1099 or they can send out W9, it's something that I need to go back and research more. But in any case, we still have to use facts and circumstances to see whether their foreign partner is going to be taxed or not. And then my last question is about EIN and ITIN. I understand a corporation uses an EIN, which stands for Employer Identification Number, even if you're not an employer. It's basically like an ACN in Australia. So a corporation uses an EIN and then an individual uses an ITIN. Does a multi-member LLC need an EIN? under all circumstances, or does it only need an EIN when it wants to apply for a bank account? I think a multiple member LLC needs an EIN under every circumstances. Because otherwise you can't file 1065. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have an EIN, how are you going to file a 1065? You cannot. So you need an EIN. And with partnership, there are certain years, maybe you would have activities. There are some years you will not have activities. It is not required that you file taxes every year. Uh, there's an exception. If you have any activities, then you have to file. If there's no activities, then for that specific year, you could go off for a bit and then figure things out from there. But a single member LLC doesn't need an EIN because it's a pass-through entity. It's still a single member LLC also needs an EIN just because of the Pro Forma 1120 and 5472. Okay, good. So basically all LLCs need an EIN. And then do the foreign members need any ITIN or EIN? So an ITIN 
is only required when a foreign partner is going to be receiving an ECI, right? It's going to be receiving effectively connected income because effectively connected income is subject to withholding when a foreign partner receives the income, right? So that's one of those things. But then if if we look through the partnership and we realize the partnership itself does not, it's not even engaged in US trade or business or doesn't have any ECI, then the foreign partner does not need an ITIN. Because if you look at one of those um, exceptions to the ITIN where it says, you know, if you're a partner, you can apply for ITIN and then attach the partnership operating agreement on it. The exception requires that you have ECI. So if you are applying for the ITIN and you certify that you have ECI and you don't have ECI, that's another issue that you need to deal with. Actually, coming back to the EIN, when you have an Australian Propriety Limited selling into the States and they want to do a protective filing of a 5472 with a Proforma 1120F, do they need an EIN? So does the Australian Propriety Limited need an EIN so they can do the protective filing of the 5472? Well, so here's the deal. You're talking about an Australian corporation trying to file a protective return. Yes. So when an Australian corporation is trying to file a protective return, I don't think the 5472 is the best route to go. You file 1120F and on the form, it tells you all that you need to do. You know, there's a place for you to check the box for protective return and all of that. But if you're filing 5472, on what basis are you filing 5472? Do you have you know a reportable transaction and that's why you're filing 5472 um the answer would be no foreign corporations you know we file 1120f and check the box as protective return and you know check all the proper boxes on the form and we send it to the irs good so you just do an 1120f and you don't worry about 5472 as long as you don't have reportable transactions as long as you don't have eci can i just ask you one last very quick question alex sure And that is, when you set up a new LLC, do you set it up in Wyoming or Delaware or somewhere else? I mean, it it, it depends. And I usually do not set it up uh, because sometimes some of this stuff could be, you know, practicing law in other states. So sometimes I tell the clients, you know, to find either LegalZoom or other companies that does it, or I can give them instruction on how to do it. But when I instruct them, you know, it's all based on my experience and what I have seen. Sometimes I tell them to go to Wyoming because it's cheap over there. Um, Delaware, if they want to have investors and all of that. But really, if you're a foreign person, it really doesn't matter where you form your company. It's more important for domestic or U.S. persons that live here. You know, if you're a U.S. person that lives here, you need to look at your home state first before you go to any other place. But if you're a foreign person, you're already not here. So it doesn't matter which place you form the LLC. It all boils down on the cost of maintaining the LLC, right? So you need to look at the annual report in certain states, how much the fee is, and then take it from there. One of the best places maybe I would recommend would be New Mexico, because New Mexico, once you form it, there is no annual report. The only thing you need to do is to pay your registered agent, and that's it. But then unlike Wyoming and Delaware, where you have to file annual reports, New Mexico does not have that. So you get to save some money over there. 
branch profit tax only applies to foreign corporations. So anytime a foreign corporation is has an ECI, they need to worry about branch profit tax. Okay. Does it only apply if you have a US trader business? Right. I mean, even when you have ECI, you can get out of it when you're from, you know, treaty countries and you can show that the ECI was not generated through permanent establishment, then you can get out of it and all of this doesn't matter anymore. Okay, good. So if you have a treaty that uh, limits it to a permanent establishment and you don't have a permanent establishment, then you don't need to worry about branch profit tax, correct? Right, but you still need to declare the treaty position. You still need to declare that all of these activities, everything points to the fact that I'm engaged in US trade or business. And you know, when you engage in US trade or business, what happens? You have ECI, right? Now, the second analysis is to... Okay, now I have ECI. Do I have permanent establishment in this country? And if you do not have permanent establishment, then that means you pay zero taxes. So if you come from a treaty country, the bar is set higher than when you come from a non-treaty country. Because let's say if you come from a non-treaty country, your analysis stops at the trade or business. So you, if you come from a non-treaty country, you got to be very careful not to even be engaged in US trade or business. For someone from a treaty country, they can afford to be engaged in the U.S. trade or business because they know there's another hurdle they have to cross to be taxed, okay? So, yeah, there's a whole lot of complication in there. If you are in a treaty country and you don't have a permanent establishment, then the branch profit tax will probably not affect you because the treaty... Because, first of all, you have ECI and then you apply the treaty, now your taxes is zero. So there is no retained earning for the branch profit tax to apply. Welcome back. Over the next five updates, let's start a new mini-series about U.S. state taxes because state taxes are often a lot more relevant for our clients than federal taxes. So in the next update, update number U.S. 23, Francis Ellington of GHJ Advisors in Los Angeles will start you off with a walk through U.S. state taxes across the U.S. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next update.